Well, welcome to the 700 Club. Not guilty. That's the verdict in the federal trial of Mark Howe. The pro-life advocate says he's overjoyed, blessed, and grateful. He's also eager to return to the two sidewalk counseling. Well, his attorneys say the verdict is not only a win for Hauk, but also for the whole pro-life movement. Matt Galka has the story. Thank you, Lord. We know where two or more are gathered in your name. You are there in our midst. Your spirit is here. Mark Hauk and his family prayed outside of a Philadelphia federal courthouse. Moments earlier, a jury found Hauk not guilty of federal assault charges. Oh, man, just relief, uh, overjoyed, blessed, uh, just uh, so grateful. The pro-life activist was involved in an altercation outside of a Planned Parenthood clinic in 2021. The FBI carried out an early morning raid on his home and arrested him in front of his family nearly a year later. The Department of Justice tried to make the case that the shoving incident between Hauk and a volunteer escort in front of an abortion clinic was a violation of the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances, or FACE Act. The jury disagreed. This matter is one that never should have gotten the attention of the Department of Justice. Our hope here is that a message was sent to Washington, D.C. to stop this harassment of sidewalk counselors who are just trying to provide alternatives to those who are facing an abortion decision. Uh, and I hope, again, this will be one of those uh, points where a change is made. The trial focused on the alleged assault between Hauk and the volunteer, which Hauk said happened after his son was verbally abused. His attorney said it was also about freedom of speech. This was about the First Amendment in that Mark and every sidewalk counselor in this country has an equal right to be there on that sidewalk and offer assistance, offer alternatives to folks who otherwise may be uh, considering abortion. With the trial now over, Hauk says he'll return to sidewalk counseling once again. Sign me up. I'm ready to go back out. Just put pray. You 10 o'clock next morning. Pray. Put me down for 10 o'clock. Pray. I'll be wherever you need me. And, uh, yeah, just happy to continue the mission. You know, the mission goes on. The jury was briefly deadlocked since Friday until an alternate juror was brought in on Monday and a final decision was reached. Hauk's attorneys say Hauk is ready to testify in front of Congress about the ordeal, and they hope to get an invitation soon. Matt Gelka, CBN News. Well, I know a Colorado baker uh, who has been repeatedly harassed and repeatedly brought up into courts uh, at the state court level, and it took it all the way to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court said, this is a freedom of speech case. Uh, this is artistic expression. You can't require someone to make an art, art form. Uh, cakes can be art forms. Uh, and, and violate their conscience. It's, it's against the Constitution. And uh, he's been repeatedly harassed, uh, repeated com complaints against him. Uh, any other person would get out of the baking business. And I think that was the goal, to drive it out of the public square and to say, no, Christians can't bake cakes unless they're going to bake cakes for everybody and gay weddings and trans celebrations and all the things that they brought against him. So when Mark goes back on the sidewalk, I'm pretty sure there's going to be a targeting. Uh, and how can they have a provocation and how can they have another incident? That's what happens. The left just doesn't seem to want to give up. They keep going at it and going at it and going at it. What happened here is you had a full SWAT 
team deployed with multiple vehicles and automatic weapons that were out and visible in front of his own home and his own children in a, a pre-dawn arrest. Uh, why in the world would you do that? He's represented by counsel. Uh, counsel said, we'll voluntarily surrender him. But no, they've got to make a public show. That's what they're doing. These are intimidating tactics designed to quelch speech. I've seen it in authoritarian governments where you have this oversized reaction, uh, the government comes in, uh, full police force, uh, they threaten the person, they threaten everyone surrounding the person, and it's all designed to intimidate. Now, we as Christians, what are we to do? Well, the same thing that the apostle said to the Sanhedrin, we have to obey God. And in that, we find our way. I just encourage everyone as we do that, please let us do it in love. In other news, President Biden says he will end the state of emergency regarding the COVID pandemic. John Jessup has more on that story from our CBN News Bureau in Washington. John? Thanks, Gordon. The president telling Congress he'll end both the national emergency and the public health emergency on May 11th. The announcement comes as congressional Republicans are calling for an immediate end to the policies. The White House claims that would create chaos and uncertainty in the health care system. The administration's future move will restructure the government response to COVID, treating it as an endemic threat that agencies can manage without special powers. President Trump first initiated the emergency responses three years ago today, which have been extended every 90 days. Now to Secretary of State Antony Blinken's foreign trip to Israel. Blinken is meeting today with Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas, encouraging the PA to restore security agreements with Israel. His visit coming in the middle of the worst violence in years. CBN White House correspondent Abigail Robertson reports. With tensions flaring in the Middle East, Secretary of State Antony Blinken is urging Israel and the Palestinians to exercise restraint and ease tensions following a surge in violence that has the region on edge. The responsibility of everyone to take steps to calm tensions rather than inflame them. Despite the attacks, Blinken's meetings with Israeli leaders seem to stay on track, discussing U.S. hopes of a two-state solution for Israel. As we advance Israel's integration, we can do so in ways that improve the daily lives of Palestinians in the West Bank and Gaza. And that's crucial to moving toward our enduring goal of Palestinians and Israelis enjoying equal measures of freedom, security, opportunity, justice, and dignity. While Prime Minister Netanyahu stressed the value of establishing more peace agreements with its neighbors through the Abraham Accords, Mr. Blinken said they are not a substitute for progress between Israelis and Palestinians. He did, however, reaffirm America's ironclad commitment to Israel's security, including standing united against a nuclear Iran. Our policy and my policy is to do everything within Israel's power to prevent Iran from acquiring nuclear weapons and the means to deliver them. Blinken promised continued U.S. support. Iran is a threat not only to Israel and the region, but increasingly uh, to the world, as we've seen recently in its provision of drones to Russia to prosecute its war of aggression in Ukraine. The Israeli defense minister saying his visit comes at a critical time. It sends a clear message to the region. The United States and Israel are united. 
facing Iran or anyone threaten peace and stability in the region. But Anaya Kravine from the Foundation for Defense of Democracies questions how friendly Blinken's conversations truly were. He shared his concerns about some of the uh, the state of Jewish democracy, the Israeli democracy, alluding to some of the judicial reforms that the government is currently weighing. So I would say that on a whole, they are checking a lot of the boxes and saying the right things. But I think if you read between the lines, uh, Blinken was also also made a priority of delivering some warnings on the trip. Kravine told CBN News's Faith Nation the real conversation going on is whether or not the U.S. is moving towards a deal with Iran, the world's biggest sponsor of terror. Until the U.S. says in, in very direct language they will not pursue the, uh, reviving this Iran deal and that they are now mm -hmm. moving to a plan B, then um, that's that's where that's where the everyone's focus should be and that's where Netanyahu keeps trying to bring the conversation back to you. Reporting from Washington, Abigail Robertson, CBN News. Well, CBN Middle East Bureau Chief Chris Mitchell joins us now live from Jerusalem. So, Chris, Secretary Blinken talks about a two-state solution, uh, and I've got to ask, is that even viable anymore, given the state of where the Palestinian Authority is? They seem to want a one-state solution uh, with no Jews allowed. Uh, how, how viable is a two-state solution? Well, Gordon, first of all, you know, the expectations are very low among Palestinians themselves that anything substantial is going to come out of the talks between Abbas and Blinken probably going on right about now. Behind the scenes, there's a power struggle about who will succeed Abbas. Right now, he's in the 18th year, believe it or not, of a four-year term. He's 87 years old. He's not in good health. And he's been in office so long because he knows if he had went to elections, Hamas would actually win here in the West Bank. And even a recent poll found that more than 70% of Palestinians, they want Abbas out of office. And what's keeping him in power right now, believe it or not, is the IDF, since they're able to suppress the terror groups like Hamas and Islamic Jihad that represent a, uh, a rival to, the, uh, to Abbas. And then you have the Palestinian media, and you mentioned that, uh, Gordon, they continue the story that Israel has no right to the land, and unlike Blinken, who wants a two-state solution, as you said, they'd rather have a one-state solution, one without Israel. Well, let's talk about the future then, uh, with in a future without a boss, uh, and assuming that there are elections now. Uh, I know the election in Gaza, Hamas won, so now elections in the West Bank. If Hamas wins, is, does that mean that Israel's now sitting right next to a volcano? It's possible, uh, Gordon. You know, uh, they represent probably the power other than the Palestinian Authority. And right now, the PA has actually withdrawn security arrangements uh, with Israel right now. That could represent a threat to the Palestinian Authority. Uh, you could look at a civil war. Uh, that's what happened in Gaza back in uh, 2006 and 7. Hamas took over from the Palestinian Authority. Uh, so it could lead to chaos, could lead to civil war. And I'm sure, <clears throat> actually, what, what Israel right now is uh, wants the PA in there only because they don't want Hamas or Islamic Jihad taking over power in the West Bank. So it's a very volatile situation if that happens, if and when uh, Mahmoud Abbas uh, may, may expire. All right. Well, both Blinken and Netanyahu <laughs> come to these meetings and they both have agendas. So break down the difference. What does Netanyahu want? What does Blinken want? 
Okay, well, Blinken obviously has two priorities, I would say. First of all, he's advocating for a two-state solution, even though many people don't. It's a viable solution. Uh, he's also warning about the policies of the new government, and the, in particular about judicial reform. Now, Netanyahu, on the other hand, he wants to stop Iran. That's his number one goal, maybe the reason he feels like he's in office. Also, for fortifying security at home. And on Iran, as, uh, as our expert uh, weighed in, it's still unclear if the U.S. has stopped negotiating behind the scenes of the Iranian nuclear deal. Uh, and Blinken did say that the military option was on the table, and the U.S. and Israel just finished the largest joint military exercise in their history. But even with all that, Netanyahu made the point, and it was clear, that Israel will defend itself with its own forces if necessary. All right, well, Blinken seemed to downplay the Abraham Accords. Uh, the Biden administration, in terms of foreign policy, as it's been called, the third administration, the third Obama administration. So they're going yeah. back to Obama's, um, you know, the, the the whole call that Biden did for a two-state solution based on the 67 borders. Uh, John Kerry famously said, "You can't have peace with the other Arab nations until you first have peace with the Palestinian Authority." The Trump administration turned that upside down and said, "Absolutely, you can have peace with your Arab nations." And you don't need the PA anywhere near it. So, what does the why, why does the administration oppose Israel's peace with its neighbor? Because it seems that they do. It seems like they do, Gordon. But I don't believe they oppose the uh, making peace with its neighbors. But I think, as you alluded to, that Blinken and the Biden administration, the third, perhaps, uh, administration of the Obama presidency, uh, they believe in that old paradigm that you first have to solve the Israeli-Palestinian conflict before you can have other deals. And like John Kerry said, you know, it, it was he said, there's no peace without Israel's neighbors before you solve the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And the Trump administration turned that upside down. And, and they, what they did is that they wouldn't let the Palestinian Authority veto, uh, you know, these peace deals with many of these companies, uh, many of these countries, that, that is. Uh, so now they're back to the two-state solution. And I think uh, for the length of the Biden administration, you're going to see that. Uh, it remains to be seen if Saudi Arabia is going to come in uh, to the Abraham Accords. Uh, that's a rocky relationship between the U.S. and uh, and Saudi Arabia. So we'll see. But I think they don't oppose him, but they're certainly going back to that old way of thinking. All right. Well, Chris, thanks for the insight, and thanks for joining.